The Jewish faith makes many a bold claim about God's nature, unchanging and in a state of complete unity, simple yet omnipotent. He is unknowable, yet he is aware of us with complete omniscience. In other words, he is a godlike being. But how is this known to us? Is it simply a matter of faith? Or did he leave us the clues to discover this knowledge? I'm Avi Cohen, and this is Jewish Thought Flow. Hey guys, and welcome back to Jewish Thought Flow. This is episode 2, Proving God's Attributes. Uh, in this episode, where you're going to explore what makes God God. Is he how much he knows, how much he can do, how much do we know about him. Uh, we spoke a lot about those attributes in the monologue, and we hope to go into them a little more slowly now. We're going to bring the sources where we know them from, and then hopefully, eventually, we're going to try to prove it. Uh, we're thinking about cutting the episodes down to around 20 minutes, especially on such a complicated topic like this, so that the listener has more time to digest what he heard, think about it, and then get ready for the next episode. Hopefully they'll be released over the weeks uh, in a timely manner. Okay, so let's deal with the different attributes. Probably not in the same order as in the monologue, but I didn't make sure it was. Maybe it is. So the first one is that God's unchanging. What does it mean that God's unchanging? So God is completely above time and change. There, this means there are going to be no events that can occur which will change anything about God. This is unlike any other thing in creation which experiences change. Either because they're changing, things around them are changing, it's different scenarios, different contexts, context, context. But God does not change no matter what happens. He always stays the exact same. How do we know this? Let's go to the sources. So the first source we're going to bring is from the Rambam and his Mishnah Torah, which is his halachic work. We're going to go to Hilchas Yisodei HaTorah, the laws of the foundation of the Torah. This is in chapter 1, Halacha 11, Law 11. So this is a direct quote. It's in English again. I'm going to include the Hebrew sources on the bottom. Please do check that I'm doing them correctly. God is not bound by time, within which he would have a beginning and an end, and an allotment of time out of his existence. Furthermore, he does not change, for there is nothing that can cause his change. The Rambam saying is that Hashem is not in time. God is not in time. He doesn't change. There's no events in his life. There's no beginning. There's no end. He's not been around for a long time. Even today he's been around forever. Forever just means a lot of time. He's not in time. So it's not forever. It's not for a moment. It's just one state of existence, unchanging. We're now going to go to a bit more of a controversial book, which is the Mor Nebuchim, which is the Rambam's philosophy book. Uh, well, it's Jewish philosophy. It's not just any philosophy. Uh, Mor Nebuchim translates as Guide to the Perplex. It's the Rambam's main work on Jewish philosophy. Uh, the book was formatted as a letter to one of his students, or Yosef ben Yehuda, uh, defending and clarifying the Jewish faith. It's unclear if Yosef ben Yehuda had these problems, uh, had, had problems with his faith, or maybe these were just problems he didn't know how to deal with. But his faith was intact, um, and the Rambam sent him this letter, uh, which eventually became a book. Uh, and it was explaining to him how to defend the Jewish faith against all sort of attacks. Uh, if you look at the introduction to the Mernavuchim, the Guide to Perplex, the Rambam was, also says he's sharing some of the secrets of Torah in there. Uh, but either way, it is not a book that is commonly studied uh, in the more yeshiva circles. But nevertheless, the Rambam did write it. And it is an authoritative text within our Jewish tradition. So let me quote from the Mar Nebuchim in part 1, uh, chapter 11. I don't know if you noticed that the Rambam and Mishnah Torah was chapter 1, law 11. This is part 1, chapter 11. 
The Eternal One is stagnant. He doesn't change in any manner of change. He does not change essentially, nor does he contain anything besides him within which change can occur. That was a tough one, so we're going to... What does that mean? The Ram said he does not change essentially, nor does he contain anything beside him within which change can occur. So basically, he doesn't have facets within him which they themselves would be subject to change. So picture a mind... But let's picture your mind and the thoughts within. So the, your mind is always your mind. It's always the same mind. It's always you. But the thoughts are changing. So your mind's relationship to those thoughts are always changing because yesterday it was thinking this, and then today it's thinking that. So the the mind, in a sense, is not changing, but in a sense, it has facets within, within it which are changing. That doesn't work by God. There's no facets within God that are changing. That God would be that God has part of Him. Uh, nor does his, this is back to the Marnabucham, nor does his relationship with others change. For he has no relationship with others in order for that relationship to change. What does the Ramah mean here? Nor does, he has, it does, nor does he have a relationship with others for that relationship to change, and nor does his relationship with others change. So let's picture a blue chair, right? Blue chair. It could be any color. It doesn't have to be blue. Okay, so if that chair has been broken and reassembled as a table... So now, focus on the color blue. The color blue has not changed, right? It's the same blue in the chair as it is in the table. But its relationship with chair has changed. It now has a relationship to table. So when you look at blue, you do notice a change in blue. It used to be associated with a chair. It is now associated with a table. So even though it's the exact same blue, its relationship with others has been changed. This is different than the facets, right? Because the, 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 the multifaceted, so the mind has thoughts within it. So the mind's not changing, but the thoughts that are within the mind are changing. Here, blue is very simple. There's no facets to blue. Things external to it, its relationship with something else is changing. And the Rambam is saying that that idea, a relationship with others that changes, would not apply to God. God is not changing just because other things are changing. And the Rambam puts in a line there. Why is that? Because he has no relationship with other things. Don't don't think anything about that line because we're going to discuss that. What does it mean he doesn't have a relationship with other things? Of course, he has a relationship with the world. How can we say not? Uh, but but just focus on that idea that the Ram is saying he does not change vis-a-vis -vis the relationship because in some sense he has no relationship. Uh, unlike the blue chair, that the blueness of chair does change in its relationship when it goes from a chair to a table. It's now a blue table even though blueness itself does not change. Okay, so that's what we mean when we say God does not change. There's nothing that causes a difference. There's no two states of God. There's no time in God. There's no beginning and end. That's what we mean when we say God is unchanging. Let's go to the next attribute. We say that God is unknowable. All right? God is completely unknowable to us. We have zero comprehension about him at all. And I know most of you are thinking, wait a minute, doesn't that, isn't that a form of comprehension, that we have zero comprehension? At least we know something about him that we don't know about him. We will... We will get to that, don't worry. Uh, the only access we have to him is through knowing that which he has created, right? I can learn about the world. I can learn what he did, uh, but I can't learn anything about him. And again, there is the question, if I can learn what he did, that means I know something about him that he did something. We're going to address that also. But he himself is not graspable in a rational manner, meaning I can understand a chair. I know what it is. I know what the concept of a chair is. It's a flat surface a little bit of depth so you can sit on it, whatever you want to define chair as. But I know things about it. I know how it's different than a table. We know nothing about God. It's no way to grasp him. We know things he did. If you learn Kabbalah, we know the worlds he made, even the upper realms. We know nothing about him himself. That's what we mean when we say God is unknowable. 
Where's the source for that? Well, we're going to go to the Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva, the laws of repentance. It's apropos because we're in the month of El, which is the month of repentance leading up to Rosh Hashanah. This is going to be in chapter 5, law 5. So the Rambam states as follows, Just like man cannot comprehend and intellectually find the truth of the Creator, as it says, for man shall not see me and live. That means, it's another way, the Ram is reading that Pasuk, for man shall not see me and live, it means that it's impossible for the two to happen. Man cannot be man and see me. It's not in the nature of man to be able to intellectually comprehend the truth of the Creator. So too, man does not have the ability to comprehend the intelligence of the Creator. I'm just reading through the full halacha, uh, the full law, even though this part is secondary. Uh, Just like you don't have the ability to comprehend God, you also don't have the ability to comprehend His intelligence. This is what the prophet said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. That's a quote from Ishayo uh, 55.8, that means chapter 55, verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, you don't know me, I don't know you. Well, he does know us, we don't know him. Uh, So that means that we can't comprehend the creator. Here's another quote for you, the Amunas Videos. So the Amunas Videos is a book written by the Gon Rasadia ben Yosef. Okay? I don't know if you've seen this Sefer before, but it's a very, very important Sefer in our tradition. The Gon Rasadia ben Yosef, more commonly known as Rasadia Gon. So the Gaonim were the heads of the Babylonian yeshivos in the Surah and Pumpadisa in the post-Talmudic era of Jewish scholarship. There was actually an era in between the Talmud and the Gaonim, which was the Sabarayim. Uh, not so much known about that era, unfortunately. Very important era, though. The best people were in that era. Uh, the Gonim came after that. So the Rav Gon was born in the spring of the year 882, common era. So it was a long time ago. Uh, in Egypt, actually. So Rav was appointed Gon of Sura in the year 928 CE, common era. So that would make, let's do the math here quickly, that would make 40 years. So at 40 years old, he was appointed the leader of the yeshiva in Sura. Um, if you read his biography, I have, if you read his biography, uh, there's a lot of controversy with his, uh, leadership, uh, the leader of the exile in Bavel in Babylonia, Babylonia did not want him to be there anymore. And there was a whole fight, uh, but he won, obviously the righteous always win in the year 933, his magnum opus, Amunus Fideos, which means beliefs and opinions or beliefs and conceptions beliefs and ideas, was completed. The book was Rivsadia's defense and clarification of fundamental Jewish beliefs. It was the first of its kind. Right? Monavuchim, which we just quoted from, was written afterwards. So this is a quote from him. This is from chapter 2 in the intro to... It's not chapter. It's actually split up into Maimarim, which are like uh, treaties, different statements, long statements, very long statements, in a hard English, or I guess in the original was a very, very hard Arabic, I would like to say. Okay, so this is the quote. The, the creator is more abstract than any abstraction. He is deeper than all depth. He is a stronger reality than all strong realities. And he is hidden, more hidden than all that is hidden. He is higher than all heights. This makes it impossible to solidify his dimension at all. And this is what the verse references by saying, if one searches for God, can he hope to find him? So Rav Sadigon is sort of echoing what we thought, saw in the Rambam Hilchas Tshuva, which is that man does not have the ability to understand the Creator. It's not because we're lacking knowledge. It's not because we're not smart. It's because, well, from 
from the Rambam and Hillel Shuvah, actually, you don't see that the problem's in us, right? All you see is that, sorry, you see the problem's in us. The Rambam just says that man cannot see me and live, which would imply I am seeable, but man cannot. From the Munus Deus, we see a more, uh, maybe a different approach. I'm not saying they're arguing, uh, but in Munus Deus, maybe says a little differently, that the Munus Deus is saying this is not a problem with us, it's a problem with the Creator. The Creator is not knowable. Um... I assume the Ram holds the same thing. It's just using man because we're the only people who could comprehend. But he's not saying it's because we're not smart. It's unknowable. This the the creator is unknowable. So again, our faith holds that you can't know anything about God. Okay. So the next attribute is God is unified. God is one. He's not comprised of parts. He's not like any other thing in creation. He's not a one that there's a second. Rather, he's in a complete state of oneness. He's not like one apple and then there's a second apple. It's not that type of one. There's no two. When you say one apple, you could have two apples and the second apple relates to the first apple. There's no second to this type of one. It's a oneness, a wholeness maybe. Furthermore, he's simple. This means God has no qualities. It's not an insult. He has no qualities. He is not wise. He's not silly. He's not kind. He's not cruel. He's not of attributes like everything else which exists. Right? Humans are multifaceted. Even inanimate objects have qualities, color, smell, shape, size, weight. God has none of those qualities. He's simple with the utmost simplicity. And I know we do see these descriptions of God being a kind or smart or, or, or good. Those are all the way he acts. They're not what he is he created those terms so he's not bound by them he's simple very very simple um let's look at 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 another source to back this up so we're going to look at the 13 principles we're all over the map here with our sources let's look at the 13 principles of faith again written by the rambam you might recognize them from episode one if you're a repeat listener this is the second principle of those 13 principles The the second principle the unity of god may he be blessed which is to say that we believe that he who is the cause of everything is one. He's not like one of a pair and not like one of a group and not like one person that can be divided into many small units, right? It's not a divisible one. And not like a simple body which is numerically one but can be infinitely divided, right? It's not like he's one but I can break him up. Rather, he, God, may he be blessed, is one in a unity that is no unity like it. There is no other oneness you could think of that would match this type of oneness. Perhaps this plays into why he's unknowable, because uh, all of our knowledge are on concepts. Uh, God has a simple unity to it that there's no way to break it down. There's no spatial dimension to it. There's no there's no even description to it. And there's the second principle of our belief, and it is indicated by that which is stated, listen, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You might know it as Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Okay, let's do one more source on that. So this is from the Rambam. Hilchus Yisodei Torah, again, the laws of the fundamentals of our Torah. This is from uh, chapter 2, law 10. Us and our intelligence are not one. Our intelligence are not one, right? We're separate from our ideas because we existed before we had them. We're going to exist after we forget them. Us and our intelligence are not one. But the creator, may he be blessed. Also, us and our ability to know is not one. Uh, we can get into that later, but it's you're separate from your ability to know things. 
The, but the creator, may he be blessed in his intelligence and his life are one from every lateral anger, angle and manner of unity. Since without this, he would live a life and understand with an intelligence apart from himself. Then there would be many gods, he, his life, and his intelligence. Also, he would be changing because every new piece of information would come externally. Before he knew it, afterwards he did not know it. But it is not so, for he is one from every lateral angle and manner of union. I think I read that. Consequently, you must say that what he knows and that by which he knows it and intelligence itself are all one idea. So again, the Rambam is saying that there's no parts to God, even the way he knows things and that which he knows are all one by him. It's one simple concept. Uh, it is not a multifaceted concept like in the human. Our ideas are separate from our mind. Our mind is separate from the essential I. And the essential I is separate from those two. Uh, by God, it is not. That which makes God God also makes him know and also makes his knowledge. It also gives him the ability to know and also gives him that which he does know. Uh, that's not the topic right now to get into that, why we're separate from our knowledge. But let's just take it for, hopefully we'll get into it a little bit later. But let's just take it for granted that this is what a Jew should believe. This is in the Ram Hilchasyariatar. We saw a similar thing in the Yugim Alikrim, the 13 principles, that God is not made up of parts. God is very simple. Okay, let's go to one more. Omnipotent. Right? God can do anything he wants. He's not bound by any rules. He can perform all sorts of miracles. For he's the Almighty One, right? We call him the Almighty, God Almighty. Almighty means he's almighty. He's mighty in all areas. God can do anything he wants. There's no miracle he can't do. We're going to get into it if he can break logic, but let's leave that alone for a second. Uh, but he can do anything, right? He can score 100 points. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, this is what we mean by omnipotent. There's nothing stopping him from doing anything. How do we know this? Where's the source in Judaism? So there's a lot of places to get this from, but I did you the favor of digging up, again, a seasonal one. We're right now in the, in the season of Sukkot. It's a little bit off, but we're close enough to the season of Sukkot. I'm also learning those laws outside of this podcast, so that's why I know it. So this is from the Torah. The Torah is, is one of the major codifiers of Jewish law. This is before the Shulchan Aruch, before the Code of Jewish Law. It's known as the Torah. Uh, brings a lot of the different Roshonim, the different uh, sages which came before him, and puts it in a uh, codified halachic format. The Shulchan Aruch actually uses the same chapter numbers and chapter uh, discussions, topics, as the Torah. So this is from the Torah, Or Chaim. Or Chaim is the way of life. It includes all the halachos of getting out of bed, daily living, holidays, Shabbos, all that kind of good stuff. And this is from chapter 625. So, this is a quote from the Torah. The verse ties the mitzvah of Sukkah into leaving Egypt, just as it does with many mitzvahs, right? A lot of mitzvahs says, you should remember leaving Egypt. Because, why? Because the leaving of Egypt was an experience that we saw with our own experience. It's an oddly worded sentence by me. And no one at the time could deny it. It teaches us the truth about God's existence, that he created everything in accordance with his will. He has rule and dominion and absolute ability in heaven and earth to do exactly as he pleases. No one can tell God what to do, as he showed us by taking us out of Egypt with tremendous miracles. The Torah is saying the reason why we tie mitzvahs into leaving Egypt is because it is, it is, it, because it is so fundamental to our belief that God can do anything, that all mitzvahs, we tie into it to remind us of that. Or maybe, maybe it's also to give you a little hint, hint, if you don't do this, 
God can do anything, so he can make you do it. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't do that because he gives us free will. But it is saying that God has complete dominion over this world, and therefore it's fitting that we should listen to him. He probably knows what's up. He probably knows what's good for us. Okay, let's go to the last attribute of God, and then we're going to stop here for today's episode, and we're going to release one later on in the week for the proof of all these things, so stay tuned for that. Omniscient, God knows everything. This, this means that God knows everything, everything, all your thoughts. Don't be scared. He knows about this podcast. He's one of my only listeners. There is nothing that is outside of his knowledge base. He knows all of our thoughts and actions, and nothing that exists escapes his awareness, right? I know we're all like, oh gosh, this is terrible. But God knows everything. We should think about it before we do the things we shouldn't do, not afterwards. God knows everything, no matter what it is, no matter where it's hidden in the world. God is completely aware of the universe he has created. He is intimately aware of the universe he has created, and he knows it by knowing himself. How do we know this? Well, we saw this already. Um, that uh, Well, we saw that he knows about the world. We haven't seen this source that he knows everything. So we're going to go to the Rambam again in Yesodia Torah, in the foundations of our Torah, the fundamentals of the Torah. Again from chapter 2, this time from Law 9. All beings, there's a quote, save only the creator, from the first form to the smallest moth, which might be in the center of the earth, came into being by the power of his truth. And because he knows his own being and recognizes his own greatness, glory and truth, he is all-knowing and there is not a matter concealed from him. So the Ram says it better than I did, of course, that God knows everything, every single thing in our world. He knows it by knowing himself. He knows everything in the world. And everything in the world is revealed to him. There is nothing hidden. So that's what we mean by omniscient. So we've, we've, we've introduced a ton of attributes about God. We've given their sources in the Jewish text where we know this from. We know it by faith as of right this moment. Maybe a lot of you know it rationally, but as of this podcast moment, we know it by faith only, which doesn't mean it's not true. It means it's absolutely true. In fact, there's much more truth to the fact that they said it than that our minds will be able to grasp it. But like we explained in the first episode, there is value to also trying to rationally understand these things and rationally prove themselves to you in order to increase your belief in God and the way you act uh, in a a moral manner. So that's all we're going to do for today. Uh, hopefully later in the week we're going to drop the proof for this, or at least the beginnings of proof for this. Maybe we'll do that in also two parts. Stay tuned. Please subscribe. Please hit like. There's no hit like, but spread it to all your friends. Please do like it. Again, you can email me at jewishthoughtflow at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, complaints. You don't like my voice. You don't want me to do this anymore. You want me to quit. Whatever you want to do, email me there. Please subscribe. Please share. Thank you.